You're listening to Secret Truths, the truth exposed about the world's greatest secrets. I'm your co-host, Scott Patton, along with Mark Willison. Hey, Mark, how you doing? I'm great, Scott. How about yourself? Excellent. Uh, we All started right. off last time talking about global warming, and uh, we trashed a few uh, sacred cows there, I'm sure. And, <laughs> and uh, we want to talk a little bit more about global warming, so uh, where do you, from a different perspective. Yeah, last time we got into, you know, we were getting into uh, quite a bit about how you know, the, the political side of things and uh, the man-made uh, factors that are affecting climate change and the so-called global warming. And this time I think we ought to dive into a little bit about some of the things that are uh, more powerful forces that, that may be at work in this subject that are uh, not man-made. Yeah, like the sun. Well, the sun would be a pretty obvious, uh, a pretty obvious one, I would think. You know, it uh, seems like to me every time people are talking about the global warming issue, you know, they should, they, you know, should at least address the sun in some some form. Because um, you know, is it possible that the sun sends off more energy and then less energy and kind of goes through cycles? I believe that uh, that, that is the case. That's pretty pretty well understood that the sun does have. Um, Know, does discharge, you know, high energy, you know, for short periods of time uh, regularly, and uh, you know they call them solar flares, and, uh, solar storms. And so I think I believe that it's well known that the sun is, uh, you know, not this constant uh, source of energy. You know, it's, it's fluctuating just like uh, just like everything. Interesting. Well, I did a little bit of research on it, and the solar cycle 24 just got started. Oh yeah, May 9th, 2009. So, okay, so a few, quite a few months ago, Solar Cycle 24 just got started, and uh, they had a major solar flare uh, immediately. And, and it goes on to say that solar flares rise and fall on an 11-year cycle. And 2008, the the solar minimum. But uh, throughout, and I remember this actually, in the beginning of 2009, they were talking about it at one point where there were no solar flares on the surface of the sun. This was very, very unusual. And now we're starting to see the major sunspots appear again. So that's pure good because uh, it's an important part of the life of the sun as far as, as we're knowing. And yeah, the next absolutely. Solar, the next solar maximum is 2012. They expect to see mass ejections. They call them CMEs. Coronal, yeah, coronal mass ejection. Right. Now, the corona, that's different than the Mexican beer, right? <laughs> yeah, there's no lime in this one. <laughs> uh, and, and it's quite interesting because they're finally beginning to understand uh, a, a solar storm that occurred in 1859. And it, this was an amazing event. And then sometimes we don't really understand how powerful our sun is, but in September 2, 1859, so over 150 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, an incredible storm of charged particles came, sent by the sun slammed into the Earth's atmosphere, overpowered it and caused havoc on the ground. And of course, in that time, the high-tech uh, stuff was telegraph wires, and uh, sure. they shorted out all over the United States and Europe. And there was widespread fires, colorful aurora borealises, normally visible only in polar regions, were seen as far south as Cuba and Hawaii. And the Earth's magnetic field normally protects the surface of the planet 
from these storms, but in 1859, they you were totally overwhelmed. And you know, for the, over the past decade, similar but less powerful storms have likewise busted through, giving scientists insight into what eventually will happen again. And um, the solar storm of 1859 was three times more powerful than the one that cut power to Quebec, a province in Canada, in 1989. And I remember that. There was like, oh, there's this big storm, solar storm coming, and then the next thing you know, the province of Quebec has no uh, no hydropower, no no electricity, and anything else. Wow. And yeah, so if a storm as powerful as the one in 1859, which is three times more powerful than the one that hit us in 1989, uh, um, it could cause up to $2 trillion in damages. Basically, of course, I think you could say that you'd have no electricity, you would have no internet, you would have no cell phones. I mean, we would just be, it would pretty well all be, I don't know if destroyed, but certainly totally disrupted. Yeah, everybody, it would definitely be a, a fend for yourself kind of a kind of a thing, huh? Yeah. And uh, so some people are talking about uh, the potential of having that type of storm hitting in 2012 because that's, that occurs, I guess, when the sun is at its solar cycle maximum. Well, it seems to me that that, you know, I mean, that's a, obviously a very, you know, we've seen it happen in the past, and so it seems like a much more plausible scenario to me that, you know, we could have um, we could have some, you know, discharge from the sun that would really, you know, mess this planet up pretty good, relatively speaking. seems like that's a lot more likely than the, the whole doomsday, you know, 100-foot wall of water that's going to, you know, wash everybody off the surface of the continent. <laughs> so, and 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 is, am I understanding it correctly that not only is the sun does the sun fluctuate in its output, but that our protective shield on the around the the, the actual magnetic field around the Earth is fluctuating as well. And our and have you heard that we're we're in an actual you know a low period where of our actual protection the the electromagnetic field of the Earth itself. No, I hadn't heard that, Mark. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I've, I found some stuff that, you know, where they're talking about the actual, you know, the electromagnetic field of the Earth is, is getting weaker, and they've been doing a lot of studies to try and figure out, you know, what it is that, that exactly generates the magnetic field and how does it work, and so we could have a better understanding of that. But if you combine the weak protection with, you know, an extra strong projection from the sun, that sounds like a, a recipe for for disaster to me. Right, right. And you'd you'd hope that we'd be looking at ways to pr- you know, protect the our civilization from from that type of catastrophe. Yeah, I mean, the way everybody's so connected with, you know, cell phones and the internet and uh all the wireless devices and electronics that we utilize on I mean, what would we do if uh you know, we couldn't go to the ATM or something? I, I <laughs> people would be people would be having a really hard time, I would think, and you know, the the police wouldn't be able to communicate with, uh, the, you know, the fire department and the, the medical personnel. I mean, it would be it would be a nightmare. I I can imagine. Yeah, it yeah it sure could. And I guess maybe sort of the good news is is that for this to happen, there has to be really like what would be called a perfect storm. I mean, the sun sets off flares all the time, and they don't always hit the earth, right? So if there was a massive one, you know, first of all, it would have to hit, you know. It's kind of like it has to be aimed right at us, huh? Have to be aimed right at us, gotcha. right? And the other thing is, is that in 1859, it was a combination of several events that occurred at the same time. So again, that would have to happen 
you know, if they took place separately, they would have been, you know, somewhat notable. But when they happen all at the same time, they cause a, you know, pretty, uh, pretty destructive force. And the other part I think that is hard when we're talking about this sort of thing is, is the numbers, right? Like the, um, like the sun contains 99.86% of the mass of the entire solar system. Right, so right. You know, when I, we look, obviously, this little, you know, bright thing in the sky, and we think, you know, well, okay, you know, but it's incredible how huge it is. And to give you an idea, you could fit over a million Earths inside the sun. Absolutely. Yeah, like I never heard that before. I thought, whoa, right? And uh, the total energy radiated by the sun averages 383 billion trillion kilowatts. Yep, absolutely. That's I mean that's that's a, just an unfathomable number. Yeah, it's like what what does that mean? Right? Exactly, exactly. It means it's it's a powerful part of our lives, and we better appreciate it. That's right. And we've been talking to, you know talking quite a bit about the sun and how that's affecting our planet. Have you have you heard anything about how this you know is, is global warming happening with any other planets in the solar system? Are we seeing the sun? Yeah, the actually, sun's effect, the, you know anywhere else. Yeah, actually, this, the scientists have uh, found that on uh, three or four moons of different planets like Jupiter and Saturn and uh, four or five other planets are showing kind of all-time high temperatures lately. And, uh, and they, don't, there's no, they can't really pinpoint a reason for it. Like they're looking and they're saying, well, you know, like the average temperature of Mars is this and then, you know, and it's gone up a a degree or two in the last year and sort of held it and we're not sure why that's happening and at the same time there's they're, they're saying well we haven't really noticed a huge increase in output from the sun in, and maybe they're looking at the wrong in the wrong places I'm not sure but it just kind of seemed like things were heating up all over the place with no real uh, understanding of why yeah absolutely and, and uh, I mean it seems like it seems like it'd be hard to. I mean, we've only been really observing things like you know having the technology to be able to observe the, the surface temperature of another planet for, for I imagine you know maybe 50 years at the most. So I know that you know a lot of the things that they're you know using for indicators on our planet you know on the Earth here as far as um, you know fossilized rocks and things like that and, and ice core samples that they take from the you know from the glaciers. They're able to to see back, you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of years back in time, and see exactly what what the conditions were like at those times. But when we're dealing with another planet, I I don't know how that, you know, how would they determine what kind of uh, history they a planet has, other than what we've been recording since we've had the ability to record it. Right. Yeah. It's it's pretty hard to tell what's normal. Exactly. And we know. We know for a fact that we've had ice ages, and we've had, you know, so I would assume the planet's cooler, right? Right, right. In those periods of time. And uh, so we get cooler, we get warmer, we get cooler, we get warmer, and we have to assume that uh, the other planets do similar things. Sure. And, and so where, you know, maybe they're just going back from a cold period to a warmer period, or, you know, it's normal. And I th- sometimes think, too, when we're, we're very lucky because our, by and large, our climate is pleasant. You know, I mean, sure. we don't often have 100 mile an hour winds. Right. I mean, we don't, you know, we'll have the odd, 
earthquake or we'll have the odd hurricane or tornado or you know tidal wave and those sort of things but they're not like everyday all day occurrences yeah and, we, uh, we certainly do get to enjoy a pretty good happy medium in terms of yeah. uh, in terms of climate is concerned right now yeah and but that's not always been the case right like we've had in the past we've had uh, times when we've had lots more earthquakes or we've had vol- huge massive volcano eruptions or even uh, uh, Yellowstone Park, right? There's a massive supervolcano underneath it that's just getting ready to blow, uh, which hopefully will be, you know, many, many, many thousands of years from now. But uh, it's blown before, so you know we're we're living in a very nice time to be living, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and uh, I mean, gosh, obviously the volcanoes. I mean, that's a subject we haven't really gotten to, but. Clearly, a volcano could affect the the climate on the planet pretty dramatically with all the all of the ash and dust and, and everything that it spews into the air. I mean, that can uh, certainly affect the amount of sunlight that's getting absorbed by the planet. And and uh, that's right. And, and I, mean, I mean, probably I would assume that the gas, you know, that the volcano produces a tremendous amount of carbon dioxide and, and other various gases as well that would that would certainly affect things to to a certain degree. That's right, for sure it would. And we've had that happen in the past. Uh, we've had the mini ice age that occurred in, uh, I think it was around 1000 AD, you know, uh, 1000 years ago or, or 800 years ago. I'm not sure exactly when it was, but mm-hmm. there was this massive volcano and all of a sudden you had snow in southern places that hadn't had snow for generations and, and uh, glacier growth that was occurring for a couple hundred years so right, right. it can have quite an impact yeah absolutely yeah there's a, um, quite a bit of talk going on about you know you were mentioning the, the fact that the sun c- is responsible or contains 99, over 99% of all the mass of our solar system and there's a couple of theories out there in relation to you know to gravity and how how the pull of our planets are affecting, you know, some of the planets, and obviously the sun, you know, not not only with its solar flares and the discharges that it produces, yeah. but apparently, from what I understand, the the gravitational force between, you know, between our planet and other planets, and then our planet and the sun, actually creates a, an internal friction that can, you know, that could actually be heating up the planet as well. And so it's you know if you can imagine uh, you know the the our planet is somewhat being you know a liquid state if you will, and you're pulling on it in two directions, uh, at the same, two opposite directions at the same time, you'd get kind of a you know a rotational friction that that actually could be influencing things as well. And there, there's talk about some of our you know some of the planets and especially some of the outer reaching planets like Pluto. That even though they may not contain a, a large deal of mass um, in relation to, you know, say the sun, for example, but their that their angular momentum, you know, because they're such a far distance rotating around, you know, in, in their orbit, that that actually, you know, create has more of an effect than we realize as far as the gravity of our, you know, our planet and our solar system is concerned. Mm. And that the farther you know, the farther out you go, the more angular momentum that you actually have to 
to literally affect the gravity of, of the planet and that, that tension and friction that, that that's created. And so, so there are some some scientists and some skeptics out there that uh, that think that you know that that could be playing a major role. And and there you know there's people out there that think uh, that there might be even a, an additional planet beyond our you know beyond Pluto that we're not really well aware of. And you know with all the with all the 2012 hype and stuff coming up, you know, there are people talk about Planet X, and gosh, if something, you know, if there was something, you know, that came into our existence in our solar system, and that, you know, if the angular momentum did actually have anything to do with our gravity, then that could really mess things, <laughs> that could really play havoc with, uh, with all of the, you know, all of our balance uh, on this planet as well. Oh, well, for sure. Uh, another planet, particularly if it came closer in in uh, would be very disruptive yeah absolutely and so that makes me wonder i know we've i know i've heard you uh mentioned to me before about venus and and venus possibly being a a, a newly you know a newcomer to our solar system because you know for thousands of years we've had you know civilizations that kept you know very accurate records of the of the sky and the stars and the heavens and everything and then it wasn't until 5,000 years ago that all of a sudden we start seeing documentation of, documentation of Venus. And so yeah. it's like, wow, if, you know, if, if this has kind of happened in the past before, if it turns out that we had a planet that kind of came in here out of, out of left field, then, then is it really that hard to imagine that it could happen again? Well, and it probably would happen again. Yeah, really. absolutely. You know, it's, it's be part of the normal... I think that I think one thing that's that's clear is is as the universe kind of gets older, it 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 kind of sets into its patterns, and it's not nearly as I think we can all agree that uh, you know when the planet was being born and you know and, and stuff, it was a lot more chaotic than it is today. Yeah, certainly you more vol- a much more volatile uh, place. Yeah, but um, you know the on the Indian subcontinent, they had they had kept track meticulous track of Mercury and Mars and Venus and not Venus, I'm sorry uh, Jupiter and Saturn and then you know, I mean, really, really meticulous and so there's no way that they could have missed Venus and then there there came a time when they were started to include Venus and they had a year that was 360 days long and then they had to change all the calendars and make it 365 days long and so, you know, what did they just miscount for <laughs> thousands of years, or you know, or did Venus, you know, was there really not Venus? I mean, it's just so hard for us to imagine that the planet wasn't there, right? But yeah, exactly. if the planet, if the planet wasn't there, and then it it appeared, uh, or it came into the the you know the uh, solar system, you would imagine there'd be a few hundred years of chaos as it kind of settled into its its orbit. And sure enough, you know, when we read the the Old Testament, we've got you know fire coming from the sky, and we've got massive the the uh, you know massive things happening to the to the Red Sea, interesting things happening to the Red Sea, and we've got plagues going on, and we've got tons of earthquakes and all that sort of stuff happening in the Middle East. And I don't know about you, but I can't recall the last time I heard about an earthquake in the Middle East. It just doesn't happen, it seems, right? Right. So, so for, you know, why did it happen before and not now? Well, maybe there was, like you're talking about, this massive 
uh, gravitational pull that was causing a lot of stress and strain all over the world, and uh, we just happened to have the the you know the history from from the Middle East to kind of collaborate collaborate it right right exactly you know if you, if you go to the Chinese history and also the Mayan and Inca histories you start seeing things that could be explained by the appearance of uh, you know of a new planet yeah that's uh, that's fascinating fascinating makes you it makes you wonder how much do we really know about our uh, our solar system and and how it, how it works and functions in relation to to everything mm-hmm well, I'm sure we have a lot more to learn. Yep, absolutely. That uh, I think that I think that uh, yeah, you know, we're learning learning new things every day. You know, it wasn't uh, just a couple of months ago that they, you know, they just conclusively determined that there's you know there's ice water on on Mars. You know, when they launched right. those lacrosse the lacrosse rover into the into the surface there, and I mean, it's like geez, people have been talking about. You know, trying to find life on Mars for for years and years and years, and then boom, just just very recently, we're finally learning new things about you know some of the some of the big players in the solar system here. So. Yeah, well, if you got water on Mars, you're 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 well on your way to finding life, right? I w- I would suspect so. Yes, I think I think there are a lot of NASA scientists out there that are eagerly awaiting the next uh, the next mission to try and uh, to try and investigate, discover more. Well, Mark, this seems like a good place to uh, end today's show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Secret Truths, you can find more uh, more of our shows, previous episodes, if you're interested, at secrettruths.com, which is S-E-C-R-E-T-R-U-T-H-S.com. Right? Yep, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> got it right. Yeah. Got to make sure I got it right. <laughs> Yeah, well, definitely. Join join us next time. We'll uh, we'll dive in, we'll dive more into you know into the solar system and what's going you know what's going on. Poor, poor Pluto, that's no longer a planet. On planet X and the galactic alignment with the Milky Way, 2012, and much more. So join us next time. I didn't know the Pluto was. <laughs> Can you believe that? There, I am so disappointed. There are so many. I feel, I feel your pain. There are so many kids that wrote letters to the guy that actually, you know, the scientist that that made the discovery and official announcement that you know Pluto has been downgraded to uh, a mini planet or something. All these poor school children are writing in, going, "No, please make Pluto a planet again." <laughs> uh, we're gonna. I think there's a conspiracy in there somewhere. We're gonna take it on. Absolutely, we'll get to the bottom of that. All right, thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.